Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Hey everybody, what's up? I have so many issues trying to start off the podcast organically, it just feels weird to say hello into an empty room, but I know that you're out there. I know that you're listening. So hello to you, my friend. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Anyway, let's start off the episode. Today's episode is going to be fun. I put a poll out on Instagram to see if you guys would be interested in me reviewing Catherine Hansen's Brain Over Binge book, which I feel as though it's a rite of passage for bulimics. Most bulimic people have picked up this book at one point in time and used it, and I certainly listened to it. It was probably the first recovery book I ever listened to when I was trying to figure out how to recover, and I listened to it quite early on in my recovery process, or I should say in my bulimia. Even after reading the book, um, it took me three more years before I actually recovered However, there are things that I really like about the book and things that first tip me off to it being a habit, and I want to go over that, but I also wanted to talk about things that I think didn't work for me and why, even though Katherine Hansen's book is so useful to so many people, why I picked it up, read it, or more so listened to it, and didn't recover from it. And so I think there's just some disconnects into what she says, and I want to go over that today, and the good and the bad and the nitty gritty, and we'll review it and talk about it. But first, I wanted to read a review that I got on Instagram, and this message was, it was pretty heartbreaking, but also it just, it just made me want to share it with you because I think a lot of you will relate to it. Um, And this person said, they messaged me on Instagram, and she said, Hi Jacqueline, I wanted to thank you for your podcast. Listening to it put me back on wanting the changes. I am 37 years old, and I'm not proud to say that I have been struggling with an eating disorder since I was 17. The first decade or so, it was purely anorexia, anorexia, surviving on maybe an apple every few days. Then bulimia kicked me in the face a while back. I have lost so many teeth, I am now embarrassed to fully smile now. I tried recovering two years ago, but the habit kicked right back in. I wanted to thank you for taking the time to do this. It sets my brain more into change. And at this point in my life, I can honestly say that is more of a habit than emotional distress. I'm just so used to doing exactly the same thing every day. And thank you for that episode on habits. Keep up the good work. We are out there listening. So I just wanted to say thank you to that listener. First of all, it's such a vulnerable thing that she shared with me. And it really just made my heart ache for her. And something that I wanted to point out that she said is that she's been struggling with this for a long time. And she said she was ashamed to say that she's been struggling with it since she's 17, but there's no reason to be ashamed. There are so many people that message me and so many people out there that are struggling with bulimia and they are full-grown adults. I've had 60-year-olds contact me and say, thank you for your podcast. I appreciate it so much. And I have worked with clients that are older it's not just a young person thing. Eating disorders affect all ages, and they can be with you for the rest of your life. And this person has had some serious health consequences from bulimia, and again, my heart goes out to that person. But some people can cross the line, blur the line, where they don't have a lot of visible effects of their eating disorder, yet 
they carry around this torturous secret with them till to the grave sometimes because they just don't figure out or seek help. So those of you guys that think maybe you're too old to be having an eating disorder or you're ashamed or you think you're too old to fix things, you are not. You can get through this. You can get to the other side of recovery. I promise. And this person, I'm glad that she's taking time to do things for herself and she's trying to recover. The only thing she has to do is not give up on herself and not use her past evidence of not being successful at something against herself. You can always learn new tricks. You can always do new things. I promise. And I think that this podcast will be helpful today just to reiterate and re-cement re some information into your guys' brain that bulimia isn't some, I mean, it can be an emotional thing and we'll talk about that, but it is just a habit. And I think Katherine Hansen really, really phrases it quite well. So with that being said, let's get onto the show. So I wrote out a list of things that I like about Katherine Hansen's book, and I'm going to focus mainly on her chapters of recovery. And what I mean by that, let me pull up the book right here. I have, I listened to her book on Audible. I didn't actually, I didn't actually ever buy the book, but I just listened to it. And one thing on the Audible book, I really wish they had a different speaker. I did not enjoy the speaker. The speaker wasn't very emotional. Um, she read it very, as almost robotic. So that's the first qualm I have with the book. And I feel bad. I think Katherine Hansen, if you guys have ever, ever listened to her podcast, she's definitely more analytical and she's more um, factual and that can sometimes come off a little robotic. But obviously she has emotions just like any other person, but her reader definitely didn't do her any favors. And so the first part of the book, for those of you guys that don't haven't read uh, Brain Over Binge by Katherine Hansen, it's about a girl that is struggling with bulimia and her journey to recover. So it, the first half of the book, part one, My Bulimia and Recovery, is really just her story of her struggles and how she was so in, engrossed in this bulimic habit. And she at first started out very typical in high school. She started dieting and it just really got the best of her. And eventually she was anorexic for a while. She was dieting and dieting, dieting, and she got underweight. And then eventually bulimia, just like that review sent in, kind of kicked her in the face and her survival instincts took over. And she started binging and they started out small, but slowly but surely they turned into massive binges, like 3,000, 7,000 calorie binges. And it lasted throughout um, a large part of her 20s and her college years, which is similar to me. I think my bulimia started in my late college years. And so she goes on to tell the story of all of her dealings with binging and she's bulimic, but she purges via exercise instead of purging via um, throwing up or being sick. And I think that's an important indicator because while they're very similar, exercise purging, like bulimia is bulimia. You basically, the definition of bulimia is that you have some sort of uncontrollable eating followed by some sort of compensatory behavior that tries to get rid of those calories or make up for those calories. And that could be through laxative, diuretics, um, purging via throwing up or exercising and excessive exercising. And Catherine's exercising was you know, like she would exercise the next day for seven hours, just exhausting amounts of things in attempts to not gain weight and deal with the consequences. But uh, the type of bulimia that I suffered for from, while I did use exercise to an excessive amount, I would also just purge via throwing up. 
And I think those two are very different. Purging is a much quicker way to get rid of the consequences of what just happened. And therefore, I think it can be a little bit harder for some people not to do it. Exercising is very difficult. That being said, a lot of people that suffer from bulimia via exercise have very OCD type behaviors when it comes to wanting to get a certain amount of steps in each day. And if they don't get those amounts of steps in or they don't run this amount, then they feel extremely uncomfortable and guilty. So it's it's still very serious. And her book, even if you don't purge via um, exercise, her book's still helpful. So she talks about her recovery, all that sort of, or she talks about all of her experiences, how bad the bridges were. And she talks a lot about therapy and how much therapy she got and all the different types of therapy she experienced, which was different for me since I didn't have any therapy other than life coaching. I didn't have access to therapy because I couldn't afford it. So it was really interesting. She went through all the different types of therapy and ultimately what led to her recovery was realizing that bulimia is just a habit. And that is how she ultimately went to recovery is she kind of threw out all the notions she learned in therapy to an extent and just realized that her frontal cortex, her um, higher brain, if you want to say it, her decision-making brain is has power over those urges altogether. And that is how she recovered after six years of suffering with this. So I want to go into the chapters on her part two and talk a little bit about how she actually recovered, what I like, what I don't like about the book. So the first things that I like, number one on the list, is that she thoroughly explains that bulimia is just a habit and really, really hones in on that. With bulimia treatment, there is a lot of disconnect between therapy and neuroplasticity and neuropathways in the brain, how they're formed, and that bulimia is an addiction. It's similar to alcohol addiction. It's similar to smoking addiction, but people don't seem to treat it that way for whatever reason. But I really love that she highlights it for what it is, and it's not its not necessarily this big dramatic thing. It's just a habit in your brain that can be weakened, literally starved, and it can be erased. It can be eradicated from your brain. So I really love that she's an advocate for that, and I completely agree with her that traditional therapy doesn't always work for these reasons. And she does an excellent job of explaining neuro neuroplasticity. There's a whole chapter in her book, I think it's the end of bulimia. Chapter 13 is the end of bulimia. So she talks about that and she found a lot of this information through Rational Recovery. And I don't remember the author of that book, but she read Rational Recovery one day, which was actually for alcoholics. Rational Recovery was a method for alcoholics, but she just applied it to bulimia, which is so enlightening because it just speaks so clearly that bulimia is such an addiction. Binging is very similar to alcohol. You crave that binging behavior. You crave the high of sugary, fun foods, fatty foods, and that numbness that it provides. Just like alcohol, alcohol is fun. It provides a numbness effect over your body, and it's enjoyable as opposed to the real world. So I really appreciate that she highlights that and is putting that message out there. And then I also love that she highlights that you need to separate yourself from your habits and your lower brain. And she prefaces this that the urges that you have from your lower brain never can never force you to do anything. And it's really just neurological junk. And so I think it's really key, and I agree with her here, that you need to separate yourself from your habits and that those habits, those urges to binge and purge, they aren't anything serious. They're just junk. 
They're just a habit that you built up over time. And they can never force you to do anything. An urge can be extremely powerful and it can be exhausting resisting it, but it never ever makes you pick up the food and put it in your mouth. You ultimately decide to give in to that urge or not. And I think that's so important. And she really, really focuses on that. And this ultimately is what led to her recovery. In the book, she really talks about how she in other therapies had tried writing out the emotion, which is part of what I teach, and I'll get into that in a bit. But she teaches the art, like she was taught the art of like how to feel an urge, how to deal with an urge. But it wasn't until she realized that that urge literally had no power over her. And it was just from her primal brain, from her ancient part of her brain. And it was sort of just her brain doing its job of saying, hey, this is what we do. This is the habit we built up. So why don't you give us the food? Why don't you go get the food? And she started to pick up those thoughts of neurological junk, like it would be fun to binge and purge. And she ultimately was like, you know what? I have the power to say no, and I'm going to say no. And that's what gets me into um, the third thing that I like about her book is that she really makes you take responsibility for your bulimia and your habits. And I think this is something people do when they say that bulimia is a sickness or it's a mental illness. And don't get me wrong, bulimia, anorexia, eating disorders, it is in a sense a sickness, just like alcoholism. But it's also an addiction. And I think what she learned in Overeaters Anonymous was that they really encouraged her to say, like, I have an illness, it's always going to be a part of me, I can never ever get past this. And I think that that is very dangerous behavior to say to someone, and I think Katherine Hansen agrees with this too, because she said so in her book, it really makes you have almost an excuse to think, if I have this sickness, I'll never get better. It's just it's if I'm sick, then I have no power over these urges. I have no control. I just have to succumb to these urges. And that's not true. Something that she says is that you have to take responsibility for the decisions you're making. This is so empowering. A lot of people don't want to admit this because they feel guilty. They associate feelings of, oh, it's me choosing to eat the food. It's me choosing to purge as guilt. But what I think is so empowering, if you say, yeah, I am choosing to purge and I can also choose to not do that. I'm choosing to binge, but I can also choose to not do that. And I always have control. And that is such an empowering thing to do. Once you say that, it helps you take back control. And I really hated the idea when I was bulimic. And even now I hate when people say like, you're never completely recovered. You're always, you always have this in the back of your mind. It's, you're never going to be completely better. I think that is bullshit, quite honestly. I think that you can get better. I think that you can recover fully. And that's what Katherine Hansen did. And that is what I did. And I don't like that people say it's going to take millions of years. You have to solve all your emotional crap to do it. But really, what Catherine and I have very similar recovery stories. And once we figured out that missing piece of habit breaking, our bulimia was gone within a month or so, which is just amazing since we both suffered for a long time and it both sounds like, I mean, I know from my experience, I had tons, I was binging and purging multiple times per day and I just couldn't wait to binge and purge at the end of the day. Like I was highly addicted and so was Catherine. So I love that she makes you take responsibility for your own behaviors and it's, it's like owning up, it's a confessional, but once you take responsibility for it, it means that you can change something. If you're responsible for that something, you can absolutely take back control. 
I want to remind you that all of you that are listening right now, you have control. Every decision you make is always within your control. Maybe it's not the best decision, but just remember that you can always say no to those urges. They can never, ever force you to do these things. And that's because it's just your primal brain. It is not your decision-making brain. It's just old neurological junk. It's just a neural pathway that's fighting to stay alive. Because as we know, bulimia are just habits, and habits are just neural pathways in our brain that are programmed for us to do certain things for via a cue craving, response, reward, circuit loop. It's all just a habit. And when that urge arises, it's just your brain reenacting that urge. It's nothing more and you do not have to answer it. And something that Catherine highlights that I think is so cool and something to remember is that the more you don't feed that urge, the more you just let it scream and throw its tantrum, the weaker it will get. It's just like a toddler that screams every time he doesn't get chocolate in the grocery store. But eventually that toddler stops trying to get the chocolate because he knows that no matter how much he screams, his mom is not going to give him that chocolate bar. It's the same concept. And eventually those habits go away. Now, Catherine said in her book that um, her urges were gone within a year. I still sometimes have urges, and I'll talk about that Um Well, I can talk about that right now. This weekend was really interesting for me because my boyfriend actually left for a trip. And while I spend almost every weekday alone by myself, he goes to work, he still has a job that he works in office, but I work from home exclusively. So I have about eight hours of the day, seven hours of the day by myself. I could binge and purge easily if I wanted to, and no one would ever know. However, for some reason when he went, away this weekend, I got this little thought in the back of my mind of like, oh no, I'm going to be alone. He won't come, he won't return that night. Like I'll be completely alone. I could binge and purge if I want to. It was really interesting for me because I haven't binge and purged in a long time. I haven't done that in a long time. And while I sometimes will have urges to binge or something like that, I always am able to just pass them away, toss them aside, just as Catherine Hansen mentions It's just neurological junk, and I just push it aside. But I did have the slight urge to do that this weekend, just because I was alone. But I realized it was kind of just an old trigger, and it was a newer situation. And this weekend, also, I re-listened to all the books that I listened to when I was going through my eating disorder. And I don't like using the word, it was triggering, because I, again, think that you should face your fears and things that scare you. However, some of the books, especially one of them, was very romantic about the way that they described their eating disorder. And it almost, I noticed myself kind of being like, yeah, I mean, some of it's fun. Like, I kind of miss some of those behaviors and I miss the the scale going down like that. And yeah, I, I kind of, it's, it's almost sounds like fun. Like, maybe I should do some of these things. And it was weird going back into that mindset. And so I think there's a dangerous game between uh, listening to books for educational purposes and describing your story and your bulimic behaviors. And, you know, I tell stories all the time about things I used to do. But I think there is, there's damage that can be done in listening to those things and romanticizing it. Anyway, getting back to it, uh, neurological junk, I still sometimes get binge um, cravings, even though it's been a long time. I still do get cravings to do that every once in a while. I don't know if they'll ever go away. Catherine says she doesn't get those anymore, but I still do. However, they're really easy to just ignore 
they're they're so faint they're they're like a dying old habit in my brain that are just like you want to binge and purge and and I'm like no I don't want to do that please go away and they kind of go away but when I was initially doing it very hard to fight very hard to say no I don't want to do this but eventually the more I didn't feed the beast the more it just kind of went away Another thing that she said that I love is that you do not have to solve your all your emotional problems to recover and your bulimia will not be cured if all of your life's problems are cured. And I'm paraphrasing, these aren't direct quotes, but it's the general gist of what she said because, again, Catherine went through so much therapy and it's very interesting to see her perspective. Her therapist tried all sorts of things, all sorts of different techniques, and trying to, like, all of her eating disorder was some sort of deep-seated, deep-rooted issue and she had to figure out that issue and think of the plausible reasons for that issue for her to ever solve the problems. And what I'll say to that is a lot of times eating disorders can be triggered as a coping mechanism for something and can be triggered due to influences that you had. But what Catherine highlights and what I'm saying here too is that eventually it's no longer because of that thing. It's that thing caused the habit to be there. It laid the foundation for creating that habit. And while something initially caused that habit, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter what that thing is anymore. Now it's just a habit. Now it's just a neural pathway that's playing out over and over and over again. I disagree with her a little bit on triggers and I'm going to get into that in a bit and, 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 you know, what causes it and that it's not just a habit and believe me, it's still an emotional event for a lot of people. But I do agree that you don't have to solve everything to be free from bulimia and it's impossible to solve all of your life's problems. Your life will not be perfect once you recover. I say this all the time. Your life is still going to be riddled with issues, especially if, you know, your bulimia has caused a lot of problems in your life. You're still going to have those problems when you get out of there. You'll just be more mentally strong to handle them. You'll be able to handle them without binging and purging and you won't have the constant time suck that bulimia is and the health consequences of it. However, you're still going to be left with problems and you can never solve all of your emotional problems. We all have weird things going on. We all, all have little oddities happening. It's impossible to have a perfect life just so you can recover. And then lastly, she highlights at the very end, I was, at first I would put this in a reason why I didn't like her, but then she did mention it at the end of the book. You cannot recover if you do not have the will to recover. And I think I love that she said this because you can know everything intellectually. You can have all the knowledge in the world about bulimia, about habits, about how to do something. But if you don't want to do it and you don't really care to do it, then it's not going to work because you don't actually want to do it. So why would you do it? And just like the breaking up with bulimia episode that I talked about, you have to give up that desire and you have to give up that pleasure that you're getting from bulimia. And you have to be willing to say, no, I don't want this in my life anymore. It gives me a temporary high. It gives me temporary pleasure. It gives me these sort of things, but it also gives me all this shit on the side that I just don't want anymore. I don't want it. I'm done with it. I am done with this for a lifetime. It's gone. And you have to make that commitment. And a lot of people aren't necessarily ready for that commitment. And it's not because they're a bad thing. It's not because they don't want it in some way, but they don't actually want to commit to leaving that behind. If you're having trouble with commitment, if you're having trouble with giving up desire, then go and listen to my breaking up with the bulimia episode. That will really help cement why you don't necessarily want to give up bulimia and how to think about it differently. Now, 
On to the drama. <laughs> the things I don't like about Katherine Hansen's book, other than her speaker that read the book. Catherine, if you're listening, I thought your book was wonderful, and I especially don't want to slander her in any way. I want to be very accurate about the things that I say about her, because I think your book's wonderful, I think she puts out a lot of great information, and you never ever want to say something about something someone that's not true, especially if you're critiquing them in some way. You want to be damn sure your critiques are clear and concise. So the first thing I want to say is that she's a little bit dismissive of therapy. And she does have a whole section in her book that is about bridges to therapy, and she does talk about some of the benefits that she had from therapy. So she's not, like, she doesn't say specifically that therapy doesn't help, and I appreciate that, but she talks about how much of it really didn't help. And so I think she, especially if she focuses in a lot on cognitive behavioral therapy, which is one of the most effective therapies there is in treating eating disorders. It has one of the highest success rates. I think what she was missing and what I was missing when I listened to her book, she kind of dismissed therapy a lot in her book when I was listening to it, when I was trying to recover or trying to look for ways to recover. And she just said the main thing for her was that she understood that the urge was coming from her primal brain and that was enough for her to say no to the urge. And that's simplifying her words a lot. That's, you know, really putting it into layman's terms. She goes into farther detail than that. But it seems to me the general theme and interpretation that I found from the book is that once she realized that the urge didn't have power on her, power over her, it was enough for her to say no to the urge, view it as neurological junk, separate herself from the urge, and not answer it. For me, I tried to do that, and it still felt so powerful that I just went through with the urge anyway. Cognitive behavioral therapy really helped me clear up some of the emotional issues I was having because part of cognitive behavioral therapy is that your thoughts affect your feelings and your feelings drive you to do things. That's like a very, again, layman's terms of one of the concepts in cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT for short. That's one of the concepts in there, and for me, I was having so many destructive thoughts. Catherine seemed like she was maybe more mentally stable when she was going through her bulimia, which that's great. For some reason, she didn't have all these horrible thoughts, and maybe it's because she was having so much therapy that she didn't think so awfully about herself. But I was in a very depressive state. I was probably clinically depressed. I thought about suicide all the time. I really didn't think I was worth anything. I was disgusting. I thought I was disgusting. All of these things. I had such horrible thoughts. And not only did I have horrible thoughts about myself, I had horrible thoughts about the world in general. I was extremely bitter. I had no um, motivation to really live anymore. And so for me, cognitive behavioral therapy really helps me to understand that my thoughts are just opinions that I have, and I can choose to think whatever I want. And when my brain says something like, I'm worthless, then it's my responsibility to tackle that thought in an educational way and say, no, that is just a thought. We do not think those things anymore. We're going to do this instead. Something that I think Catherine is missing in her book, or maybe something she didn't explain clearly enough, is that while it's important to understand that bulimia is just a habit, it's really hard to resist bulimia when you haven't worked through some of your emotional issues. Because if you're very depressed, if you're in this very not emotionally balanced state, it's going to be a lot harder for you to manage those urges. It's going to be a lot harder for you to 
even want to recover. If you feel like your life is worthless, if you feel like you're trash, if you're treating yourself like shit all the time, it's not going to work out. Uh, so I think that maybe there's a gap in Catherine's book when she kind of dismisses therapy a little bit because she may have been underestimating the amount of people in that are bulimic that have some deep-seated emotional issues. The way she described it is that she did have some low self-esteem and um, some people-pleasing tendencies, but she worked through them, but she still had the urges to binge. And I will say the same thing happened for me. I worked through a lot of my emotional issues, and then I still had the urges to binge while they were less frequent because I wasn't in this constant state of depression. Working on my emotional issues did help me binge less, but it wasn't until I then finally put the habit piece together saying, oh, it's just a habit. I don't have to answer these urges. I'm going to try to interrupt my habit loop. I'm going to pause. I'm going to understand that I can do this and I'm going to write out this habit and feel the emotion rather than running from it. That was what ultimately was the magic key for me to eventually recovering from bulimia. She doesn't say therapy is not necessary. There's no nothing in the book that says therapy isn't necessary. She really always is good about clarifying that that's her opinion, that was her experience. And I appreciate that because ultimately everyone's different. And I don't want to discourage anyone from going through therapy or getting coaching. I did get coaching and it ultimately helped me figure out how to recover. And a lot of it was CBT focused, cognitive behavioral therapy focused. But I think that you need to have both. I think if you don't have the CBT aspect and you don't have the habit aspect, if you just have one or the other, maybe you'll recover. But for me, having just the habit component, knowing it was just a habit for me, didn't work because I still felt like a piece a piece of trash. That's what I thought I was. And it wasn't until I cleared up my emotional issues to some extent, and again, of course, I have problems, but it wasn't until I took care of my emotional issues and took responsibility for the thoughts that I was having and cleared that all up, then I was able to see more clearly what bulimia was. And I was like, you know what? This is just a habit. Now that I have the ability to take control of my own mind, I can also take control of this bulimia. So that is the qualms I have about her disdain for therapy. The other issue that I have with the book is that her explanation of how to deal with urges and how not to binge and purge seemed a little vague to me, and it didn't help me actually feel out the urge. And she said a technique in therapy, which was not her answer to dealing with urges, but One of the techniques she learned in therapy was to ride out an urge and feel the emotion in your body and let it pass through you, which is what I teach people combined with the habits. She said that didn't work, but then ultimately when she found that the urge didn't have any power over her, then she was able to be like the observer of her urge. And what she said worked for her was observing the urge, understanding its neurological junk, sitting through that urge and just not answering it, not giving it attention, not feeding the habit, ultimately led to her not binging and purging because she didn't binge and purge. She weakened the habit. For me, something didn't click when I first heard it, and it's because I had a whole host of other things going on, but I think she should have, again, been clear about what to do specifically when you get an urge, what happens when you feel those things in your brain, how do you handle them, 
what does the urge feel like in your body? How did you not, how did you resist those feelings? How hard was it for you to resist those things? I just would have loved more specifics on that. And I think that maybe would have helped me because I listened to her book and then I was like, okay, I'm going to sit through this urge. And then as soon as the feeling came over me to urge, it was like, I can't do this anymore. But it wasn't until someone told me that those feelings will eventually go away. And that awful feeling you have in your body, the anxiety that, that urges cause, the tightness in your chest, the feeling to be outside of your body and feeling to move and get out of things, um, that will eventually pass, but you have to let that emotion in before it can pass. If someone had told me that, then that would have been more specific and it would have helped me eventually recover faster. So I wish she had more of a clear explanation on how to deal with urges. She does have a whole like three or four part chapter section on it but I just feel like that emotional aspect is missing and partly I think is because she's just going from a brain aspect and not dealing with more of the woo of emotions. She also prefaces that knowing your triggers is kind of a waste of time and that she was always trying to figure out how like what triggered this what happened here and writing down all of her triggers was useless because there's so many triggers and while I see where she's coming from, because bulimia becomes just a habit and it becomes a coping mechanism for all sorts of things, because it's just what you do, even if you're bored, it still is cued from something because that's what a habit is. So what happens is, say you come from home from work and you just are sitting there on the couch and all of a sudden you have, a, you have an urge to binge and purge, there's still a trigger there. But what I find useful in writing down that information is that you can be more prepared and you can start to see what thoughts your brain offers you that is neurological junk. So what I have people do usually is write down a very specific, it's on the binge purge recovery worksheet, but a very specific list of here is what my triggers were, this is what time of day I binged and purged, this is what I was feeling beforehand, this is what I was doing. But there's a specific question that I ask, and the question is, what thoughts did your brain tell you that convinced you to binge and purge? And I think that is a very important trigger or um, piece of information to write down, because then the next time that happens, you can kind of be prepared to be like, oh, this is just something my brain tells me that's actually just trying to get me to binge and purge. It's not really clear logic. It just sounds convincing. So I think that I would disagree with her. Recording information, knowing what's happening, that's more important than I think she's giving her that credit to. So overall, I really loved Katherine Hansen's book. I think those are the main quarrels I had with her on therapy, on the lack of ex the explanation she had for binging and purging and how to resist urges, and knowing your triggers. I think all of those things, maybe some work, I have some disagreements with her there. However, overall, I think her book, again, does a really great job of highlighting that bulimia is just a habit, that it's just neurological junk, and that it can be broken no matter what age you are, no matter how long you've been doing it. She suffered for six years with bulimia. Um, I suffered with over four years of bulimia, plus tons of dieting and other years of just trying to lose weight and dieting. The more I think about it, the more I go back into my history. While I wasn't bulimic for more than four years, um, I was definitely exhibiting a lot of strange behaviors and a lot of ED type behaviors long before I started binging and purging. So do I really count it as just four years? No, I think I was suffering for much longer than that. 
However, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing something, you can rewire your brain. And I think that's the most inspiring part about Catherine's book is that you can literally mold your brain into whatever, whatever you want it to be. It's just habits and consistency. And what happens is a lot of people just give up too early. But you can do it. You can recover. It's just going to take some time. And it's going to take a little bit of you taking control, you taking back the power, and you never ever giving up on yourself. And I promise you can get through it. So I hope this was helpful for you guys. Just a reminder, the course drops September 6th. If you're not on the waiting list, get on the waiting list. There'll be special special offers to people on the waiting list. So get on the waiting list. You'll be able to purchase the course and be on my digital course, which is entirely dedicated to bulimia recovery, on September 6th. So get on that list. The link will be below. And I'll also include my binge purge recovery worksheet below, which I think is effective for this episode. All in all, highly recommend her book. Go check it out. Catherine, if you're listening, thank you for this book. I, I found it very helpful. And I think most of all, what your message, the one message you're putting out is very helpful. So thank you. Um, and I guess I will see you guys next week. It's been a fun one. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.